you're listening to the Primary Medicine Podcast with Kevin and Dimitri, bringing you the best in primary care CME that you can use in your everyday practice. Hi, my name is Kevin Milo, one of the co-hosts of the Primary Medicine Podcast, and today we want to bring you a very special guest speaker. It's Dr. Bukiet Tran, who is going to be joining us today because he is, in many respects, a dream for us to interview because he has done so much and is so dynamic in so many areas. Wu is a emergency physician who also practices family practice in Toronto. He's established and runs three clinics in family practice, and he is a prolific educator and now podcaster. And what I want to introduce you to is Wu's podcast called How's My Financial Health Doc? And it is a podcast designed for Canadian physicians covering a number of financial topics. And he goes into some really great depth, explaining very complex concepts in a way that we can all understand them. And so it's very exciting to have Boo here. So Boo, why don't I ask you to to perhaps start and please introduce us to your topic today that you're going to be covering. Okay, well, thank you, Kevin, for inviting me. It is a great pleasure to be on your show. And I know you have a lot of listeners who typically listen to your show for a clinical type of topics. But today we're going to be talking a little bit about something different, but I think just as important. Excellent. So please go ahead. Tell us what we're going to be covering today. Yeah, I think what I want to cover... A lot of the things are said on my podcast in terms of basic financial literacy and knowledge, but I do want to bring one particular aspect of personal finances to physicians, and that is the aspect of life energy and personal energy. I think it's very important because as physicians, and it's not just physicians, I would say all healthcare professionals. I work a lot with nurse practitioners, and I believe, Kevin, you may have come across these professionals as well. So nurse practitioners, nurses, physician assistant, residents, medical students, we all are pretty much molded the same way, right? We go through science and university, and then we go into different directions, but we're very much molded the same way. And the way that we earn an income is from being present. We take care of people, we hold people, we examine people, we support people, we counsel people. But as I'm saying all this, you quickly realize that we have to be there. It's not something that I can just build a widget or something, and then that widget, that something is holding my patient's hand, or that something is examining my patient. So I have to be there. And so our work is really being present. And we exchange our time for the work that we do, the value that we bring to society. And our value is ourselves, us, me, Vu, you, Kevin, Samantha, the nurse practitioner. And when we do that and we earn an income, we trade our time, we trade our personal energy, we trade our life force. In return, we get a monetary payment. And we have to be really careful about that because being an eMERGE doc, I see disease every shift. I see death every shift. I see how people are severely ill and I see unexpected death in young people. You see that too in your practice. 
And so how much time do I have on this earth? I have no clue. Only someone greater than me determines that. I can be gone tomorrow and have no clue about it today. And so I want to be really careful with the energy that I spend. And for me, if I'm trading my income for energy, I'm giving a little bit of that away every time I get a paycheck. And so do I want to squander that paycheck? Do I want to waste that paycheck? And do I want to do something that is valuable with that paycheck? And I think that most of us understand death because we work in the health industry. And when you work in health industry, you need to understand death. So we understand death. We understand illness. We also understand finances to a degree. We understand I'm getting you know, X dollar amount. I have to pay tax. But connecting the two together, it's not something we do naturally. And I think that's important for us to realize that because unlike other professions, we don't create a widget. We don't create a product. We don't create a software. We are the product and we have to be really careful about how we use ourselves. Absolutely. I think that's really, really powerful and really important because at physician empowerment, we say we, that you can't climb your own corporate ladder, which means that you can't duplicate yourself or hire others to do your job without you stopping the practice of medicine. I always think about accountants firms and I try to push one of our kids to become an accountant. Maybe one day it'd be nice to have one in the family, but you know, think about an accountant that may start a firm as a, as just a solo accountant, but as they become successful and as they grow and as they get better at their profession, they're able to hire others under them, bookkeepers, secretarial staff, other accountants. And eventually they can create a whole tiered ladder within a corporation they've set up and they can be working fewer hours, making more money and still fundamentally being an accountant, but it really doesn't work that way with medicine. And I think, Wu, you said it far more eloquently and in a much deeper level that we aren't just trading time, we're trading our personal energy and a part of ourselves for the money we earn as physicians. And I think it has to be deeply meaningful for us because it's time away from family. It's time that we're not sleeping. It's time that we're not necessarily eating right or exercising. But I think it is even just our own personal energy or or life force, right? So it has to be internalized, I think, a little bit more by our profession to look deeper as to what those long hours we put in mean. And the fact that I think these hours are more and more precious the fewer we have of them. I'm talking about our personal hours, right? Because one thing to go and work for 20 hours a week and you still feel like, oh, you know what? Actually, not bad. You know, I'm working half time and I've got lots of time to sleep and exercise and spend time with family. But once you get up to hour number 60, the next 10 hours you give to your profession to reach number 70 really mean a lot to you because those are very precious hours that now you're seriously cutting into sleep and family time. And so we have to ask ourselves what we're really giving up when we give up our time or life force, as you say, to do clinical work. So please continue. No, I think you put it into very good perspective. Like you say, the first 20 hours, we may not feel it. At 30, 40 hours, we may not feel it. But the moment we stretch to 50, 60, 70 hours, well, it's not just us. Our family feels it. Our kids feel it. And it's not surprising that divorce rates are high in general population. But I'm sure that if we look at among physicians and healthcare professionals, divorce rate is probably high as well. And when you look at burnout, just tie this back into burnout. When you are exchanging your personal energy and your life energy, it takes a toll on your personal, spiritual, psychological well-being and slowly, slowly degrade that. As it slowly degrades that and is so insidious, 
that one doesn't realize that they are now burnt out. And burnt out, I used to think that, think of a candle and you're like a candle and you burnt out. But in fact, it's not that. It's not just all of a sudden. It, it is very, very progressive, very insidious where you no longer have compassion. But your flame is still burning. I'm still working. Like I never understood what, why am I burnt out when I'm, I'm still working and I'm still going and enjoying that adrenaline kick in the emergency department. But I didn't realize that. Yes, I enjoy that adrenaline kick, but I was cutting corners. I was rude. I was abrupt. I didn't treat my medical students very well. I didn't talk to my nurses in a kind, compassionate way. And my patients, I had no empathy. And after three, four night shifts, it happens to you. After 16 shifts a month, it will happen to you. And you don't realize it. And that's because a little bit of your energy goes out the door every day. A little bit goes out the door every day. And in fact, it's not every day. It's every hour. Every hour you do that, your energy goes away. And you and I work in a profession where we do shift work. It's very punctual. I come for work. I do my eight hours, 10 hours, and then I go home. And in those eight to 10 hours, I can literally tell you how much money I'm making or how much money I'm losing. And I can tell you that if I'm not going for a shift, I can, how much money I'm not making. So that's the type of profession we are in. And unfortunately, if we waste the money away, let's say I make a dollar and I wasted 90 cents, I can tell you how many shifts it would take me to make up that 90 cents. I can literally tell you, you know, it's going to be an extra nine shift or an extra eight shifts. And so we have to be really careful. And when I say careful, I mean, one, pace yourself. But two, as you take that income and as you take that paycheck, you have to realize, okay, if this is why I exchange my life energy for this, I want to use it judiciously. What do I want it for? Well, I want it for myself. I want it for my spouse. I want it for my kids. Those are my priority. Is my priority my house? No longer it is, right? Is my priority that nice BMW sitting outside? No, it's no longer that. My priority is things that are valuable to me at this point in my life. So we all have to sort of figure out deep inside what is valuable to us at any point in our life, whether I'm 65, 25, 35, 45, whatever it is. What are the priorities? And I'm not sure that as physicians, we know what our life priorities are because we've talked about this a little bit is we work hard, we play hard. So we work very hard. Therefore, I'm entitled to play hard. I've been doing 20 shifts this month. I've did two night shifts. It's been hell. I need to go out and splurge because I need to, I'm entitled to that. And so what does that entitlement mean? Well, a bigger car, a faster car, a bigger house, a nicer house, a nice vacation to wherever, because I'm entitled to that. And so at the end of the day, is that what our life priority is? And we have to really keep that in mind. Yeah, I think that's so powerful. And again, another thing we talk about it physician empowerment is that notion of your hourly rate. And for me, when we kind of discovered that and really started to teach that, I really internalized what my hourly rate meant. And it's how much money do you earn per hour at work? And it can be whatever kind of clinical work you do, but it's that how much is your life force bringing in in terms of money? But for me, the mindset changed when I actually tallied up how many night shifts I would have to work to pay for holidays that we just stopped going on those expensive holidays. Because one of the things we love about being in Alberta is that we've got really great flights to great destinations, including Hawaii. And it's very easy to just book a quick flight out and go someplace sunny and warm. But it does come at a very 
high expense. And when you look at the hours you have to work, it can be eye-opening. And so for me, I remember this distinctly as I was considering my last, our last vacation. It's not that we don't take vacations, just take something that's modest and really doesn't impact the whole budget and allows us, frankly, to be working less, which I think is so key. And so you realize that when you go out and buy a vacation or the new car, what you're really doing is you're not buying something that's going to continue to grow. So if you turn around and you went and bought, bought into a private equity deal in real estate or use that money to buy a dividend paying stock or any equity for that matter, that's either going to hold its value or go up. But I can guarantee you that that holiday is going to be gone and you'll have the memories, but that's it. And the car we buy, it will eventually go to a value equivalent of zero or near zero. And so you kind of have this choice, one where, where you can spend on an asset and see your net worth increase and your financial security increase, or you can buy a consumer good and you'll see that it actually negatively impacts your network because there are often costs associated with that. The new car needs expensive oil changes and expensive tires and all the rest of it to look and feel right. And so often one kind of entitled expenditure begets other entitled expenditures. And you mentioned that before we started recording, Boo, about the nice house, right? And then all of a sudden you need to have a nice car parked there. And all of a sudden your furniture maybe doesn't look so good in the living room and you need new higher end furniture to match the house. And on and on and on these things can go. Yeah. I would encourage all your listeners to read the book and I don't have any money associated with this. I don't get paid by this guy, but Rich Dad, Poor Dad by uh, Robert Kiyosaki. It is an amazing book because it allows you to look at life very differently. The way he looks at life, at that lens that he uses is wonderful. So the way he qualifies an asset is something that allows it to grow exactly what you were saying. And so if you're buying an asset that continues to depreciate, for example, a car, the moment you drive it off the lot, it depreciates by 30%. So a car is not an asset. Is a home an asset? You and I may think that a home is an asset because it continues to grow. In his mind, you're continuously paying for the expenses, the mortgage, the insurance. So in his mind, is not an asset. We can debate all day long about whether we agree to that or not. But the point is an asset allows you to grow, whereas other things that don't allow you to grow, for example, a car, et cetera, or a wine, for example, et cetera, they're not going to grow. So they may not be an asset. That being said, I think you mentioned something that I want to address a little bit is the vacation. Please, I don't want the audience to get me wrong. I'm not saying don't go on vacation and I'm not saying don't go on nice vacation. What I'm saying is make sure that you prioritize your life priorities and that once those priorities are met, splurge if you want, (laughs) right? You've saved for the future. You've saved for the kids. You've saved to do whatever you need to do to path and pay your financial security. And then you still have money left, go ahead, splurge yourself, not a problem. A vacation, yes, you spend it on a vacation, but what you get back is memory. What you get back is experience. What you get back is the time you spent with your wife and your kids or your loved ones. And that's what life is about. Life is about your loved ones spending time with them, right? It's not about that BMW or that Mercedes. And so, even though we talk about vacation as you know something that we need to be careful with, 
as long as you've done everything else, there is no problem taking that vacation. But make sure that that's not your number one thing and that's the one thing you splurge on and you haven't done the rest. And so absolutely, vacations is sort of a double-edged sword, but it's not without its value. I think that's a lot of wisdom. And I feel like walking back my comment a little bit because you're absolutely right. And this isn't about martyring yourself for years and years of your career. You're absolutely right. I think it's important to celebrate and have those moments and have those memories. And it's not that different from, you know, if you think about your house as a business or your household as a, as a corporation, corporations pay out bonuses for eight years. So if you had a great year where not only you earned a lot, but you invested a lot and saved a lot and paid down debt, well, you know what? You should absolutely take that vacation. Or if there's something you really want, you should get it because it is important, you're right, to reward ourselves along the way. Yeah. So we come to the end of our short segment and I wish we could continue because I just love this, being able to connect on this level and to talk about things that are meaningful and real for physicians. But Vu, can I ask you in just two or three key points to summarize what we talked about today? Just something quick for our listeners to take with them as they go out to their workday or wherever they are. What can they take away from what we covered today if you want to summarize? Yeah, I think it's important for all healthcare professionals to realize that we trade our life energy for an income. I think that connection needs to be made and needs to be strong. And like the word you used, internalized. Because until we internalize that, we don't see the impact of what that means. The second point I think I would like to make is learn about the basics of personal finance. It's not complicated. We've been talking about life energy. We've been talking about not keeping up with the Joneses. We've been talking about paving for the future. We've been talking about financial security. Notice that I've never used any big lingo. (laughs) We've never used any financial lingo. These are all things that you and I say every day. So learning about the basics of finance does not have to be painful. But knowing exactly where you're going, the direction, allows you to understand and internalize that life energy. And the third one I think is very important. There are many important things in personal finance, but I think for us in particular, for physicians, in particular for emergency physicians, because the latest research shows that 86% of emergency physicians in Canada are burnt out, right? A huge rate. So What I want people to remember is that as long as you do not deal with your own personal wellness and your own personal security, there is not enough yoga and there's not enough mindfulness that will solve your burnout. It is just not going to happen, right? You can argue with your patient about how Dr. Google is bad. You can yell at your chief and say, you don't want this EMR. And you can yell at society but what the mis-expectation that society have on the healthcare system, you're not going to change things, at least not for yourself. And so what are the things that I can control? What are the things that VU can control? Well, I can control how I spend. I can control my taxes to a certain degree. I can control what I do with my money and how I make it. And unless I do that, there is no solution to burnout because all the other things that we yell at the sky for in terms of burnout are not things we can control. So why not act on things that we can control? And starting with financial wellness, I think is probably one 
or second step to burnout. I have nothing against yoga and I have nothing against mindfulness, but I don't think if we did just that alone, we would not solve the issue. You know what? I completely agree that I think the key to a lot of us being happier in our own personal lives and happier in our practices is the ability to dial back back the work hours, the ability to work fewer hours and just get back to more sleep, more health-related activities like that mindfulness or yoga or eating right, more family time. But that will only come with financial security. And I think, again, it's all about having that connection between money and our personal energy, as you alluded to in the in the earlier part of the podcast. I sincerely want to thank you, Vu, for coming and joining us on today's episode because this was really powerful. And so many of us need to hear this message. And like you said, internalize it, that we make concrete changes in our own lives that'll allow us to get back to a little bit of work-life balance. And even just a small clawback on the hours in your working career might be deeply beneficial. So again, Vu's podcast is called How's My Financial Health Doc? And I encourage you to look it up. It's on iTunes. It's a great podcast. There's just so much there for physicians and it's all readily accessible and it's always growing. Vu is a prolific podcaster. So I would encourage you to have a look at that. And again, please send us your thoughts and feedback. Vu, thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. It's been very enjoyable and thank you for allowing me to share with your audience some of my thoughts. 